That, that was actually just 30 seconds of silence. And it felt awkward, right? It felt so awkward. There's so much tension. Um, what we're going to be talking about today is uh, part four of Gone Fishing. My name is Tim Payne. And uh, <laughs> shaved my head, grew my beard, um, ate, a, ate a few more meals than, you know, or not more, a few, but, you know, more. And uh, got a tan. So, uh, but anyways, you know, that, that 30 seconds was, there was so much tension in that 30 seconds, am I right? We were waiting, and we didn't know what to do, right? And so, I'm sure most of you guys in here uh, are actually maybe in different situations where you're actually waiting longer for something else. You know, some of you guys might be in, in a situation where you're waiting on... Uh, Maybe a financial breakthrough. Maybe you're in that situation where you're thinking, you're praying, God, please come through for me. I need your help financially. Maybe you might be one of the few families, actually, that, that was um, in, in the floods and, and you're waiting on FEMA. Uh, you could be, maybe you're a student, you're a high school student, you're, you just graduated. I think it's, it's already done for the year, is it? For the, not yet. Well, you might have a few more weeks and, and you're waiting, and, and you, 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 you can't wait for summer to end because you want to get to college, you want to get that stuff going on, or maybe you're a college student, and you got that career of choice already waiting after, you know, the four years, you've already been in four years, or it could be, you know, your master's already, and man, this is taking too long, I'm a professional student, and, you know, I, I can't wait for this to happen, you know, or you could be, uh, you could be single, and, uh, sorry, I forgot to turn my phone off. I'm just kidding. No, but uh, you could be waiting for that phone call, right? No, but you could be, uh, you could be uh, single. Maybe you're waiting and you're saying, God, please, I need, I need a boyfriend, please. Or, you know, you're, you're single, you're waiting for a girlfriend, you're praying. And, or you could be already dating and you're waiting to get married, right? You could be married, and, and you're waiting for God to give you that baby. You know, there's, there's so many different situations that we're in that when we're in that waiting period, we're in that wait room. You know, to this morning we're talking about being in the wait room. And, you know, to, to all of us, the shorter the wait, the better. Am I right? I think we could all agree with that. Even if you are the most patient person in the world, and you know, for me, that's, that's actually one of the, of the things I got to grow in, and, and my wife will attest to that and, and agree with that. But you know, that's, you know, a lot of us, even if you're the most patient person in the world, the shorter the wait, the better, right? And we don't like to be in the waiting. You know, when you're in that wait room, you don't just sit down and wait for your muscles to grow like I've been doing the past couple of months, you know, and, and uh, you know, <laughs> nothing's happening. But, uh, you know, you're in the weight room, and you're creating that tension, right? And after that tension, what happens? Growth happens, right? And so, you know, if you're in that weight room right now, there's, there's, I've got a message for you, and God's impressed this on my heart, and I can't wait to share it to you guys. You know, but just one thing that you want to remember is you cannot wait in the weight room. You cannot wait in the weight room. You got to work. 
And so this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, what does it mean to wait? What does it mean to wait in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31? We're going to read that verse here uh, in a sec. But what does it mean to wait? Isaiah chapter 40, 31, if you have your Bibles or uh, as Tim always reminds you, you, know, you have your, your cell phone, you got the smart, uh, smartphone, you got your U version. But Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. In the version that we have right now that's, that's posted, it'll say, uh, it says, those who trust. And it's, it's cool how that word trust is used instead of the word wait. Because... That was the same meaning. If you look at another version, it'll say, but those who wait on the Lord. And this one, it'll say, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So what does it mean to wait? I'll tell you a little bit of what it doesn't mean. You know, we, it doesn't mean that, that we're just sitting down and meditating and, and then we're, we're expecting something to happen without us doing anything. When we're waiting on the Lord, that's not what we're talking about here. But there's going to be three ways I wanted to share to you guys uh, what it means or three ways to wait. And that number one is expect with hope. Let's expect with hope. In Lamentations chapter 3, uh, verse 24 uh, the prophet Jeremiah, uh, he, he writes this and he's saying, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. You know, when we, ex- we expect with hope, when you're waiting on something or someone, you've got to have that expectation. You've got to have that hope in you. And whatever situation that you're in right now that we talked about this morning, God maybe have given you a promise and you've got to expect with hope. You've got to expect with hope. You know, a perfect example of faith and of having hope was, was Abraham and Sarah. I think most of you guys might know the story of, of what happened there. But, you know, it, it wasn't always that way with them. And they, they, you know, they too, even themselves, they tried to rush into or rush God's promises. You know, Abraham and Sarah, God went to Abraham and said, Hey, I, I want you guys to move away. I want you guys to move out. And so uh, what, what Abraham did, they were obedient. They said, okay, God told us to go. We got to go. So they moved not knowing where they were going. And because of his obedience, you know, God said, because of that, I'm going to call you the father of many nations. His name before that was Abram, right? And then God changed his name to Abraham and said, I will make you a father of many nations, and so years, go, years have gone by, and they still haven't had a child. He was complaining to God, how am I going to be a you know, father of many nations when I don't even have a child? And so they tried to rush into that. Sarah even you know, lost hope, it seemed like, and said, you know what? Goes, a, goes to Abraham and says, hey, um, I know I can't have children but God's promised you to be the father of many nations, so here's my maidservant. Here's Hagar. Have a child with her, and through that, you, you should become father of many nations. It was rushing it. And a lot of times, we, as, as Jesus followers, 
especially to those of us who know God's promises, you know, we, we try to rush it. And we, we fail to submit our plans to God and rush our own plans. And so years have gone by, and obviously that wasn't what God's plan was for, for Abraham and for Sarah, but that happened. And so years have gone by again, now here's Sarah She's about 90 years old, and God says, you're going to have a child. And they couldn't believe it, and they had the child. And they had Isaac. And God had poured his grace on them, was so gracious about that. Even through our mistakes, you know, God still decides, and God still loves us, decides to give us his grace. And they still had that hope and expected and hope. You know, uh, in Hebrews 11, a chapter, chapter 11, verse 11, uh, the author who wrote this verse, he says, it was by faith that Sarah, that even Sarah, was able to have a child. Though he, she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And she believed, even through all of that, even after all of that. You know, God's, God's ways are always best. even when he is withholding you know, what, what we think, what we think we need at the moment. You know, too often, we as humans, you know, we're so consumer-driven that, uh, that we resent you know, the long delays of God, and then we take it into our own, our own hands. We, we take the matters into our own hands. So the first one is when we wait, we expect with hope. And then number two is we anticipate in faith. We anticipate in faith. You know, when, when, you're, when you're baking, and you put those biscuits in, you're anticipating in, in faith that it's going to be good because you follow the directions. In our lives, we follow the directions of God and that we anticipate in faith. You know, we don't take the biscuits out early because it's not going to be good, right? But we anticipate it because we know it's from God and we know it's going to be good, whatever we anticipate from him. Whether you, got, you read the directions, put it in there, read the directions, and you wait and you anticipate in faith. And just like it says in James, James says it. I don't know if I actually put it, uh, if I gave it to the guys or not, but James 1.17, I think it is. It says, um, James 1.17, whatever is good, yes, thank you, uh, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. Who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So if God has given you a promise, you got to wait. You got to anticipate in faith because you know it's going to be good. So you anticipate in faith and you wait for it. You know, when, when, we, when we anticipate in faith or when we wait on God, there's a faith aspect to that. And number three, serve with your time. Serve with your time. There's a lot of, uh, of people in here that are in the waiting, and we've talked about that. I think everybody in here is waiting on something, at least one thing, maybe two for some of you. you know, but there are a few of you here, while you're in the waiting, you're actually serving with your time. And you're in here, you've signed up, you committed to on a serve team, and you're serving God while you're waiting and expecting and anticipating in faith for what he's promised you. And if you're a Jesus follower in here, 
and you're not on a serve team, man, this is the time I want to challenge you. I think it's in the guest services or it could be in the VIP table, but you want to sign up, get that connection card, sign up and serve. While you're waiting on the Lord, you serve. I remember, uh, if, if you know the story of, of Jacob and Rachel, Jacob, when he first laid uh, his eyes on Rachel, he was awestruck and fell in love. And he, he, he goes to Rachel's dad and he says, uh, Laban, I, I want to marry your daughter. I'll work for you for seven years if you just allow me to marry your daughter. And, you know, of course, we know seven is, is a number of completion. So he's, he's saying seven years. I'm offering you seven years of my life. I'll serve you if I could just have your daughter, Rachel. And so seven years goes by, and uh, here they are at the wedding ceremony. The bride walks down the aisle, and, you know, whatever their customs are that happens, you know, the bride walks down, and they get married. They go fast forward, honeymoon suite. Here they are, fast forward, morning. Jacob wakes up and sees it's not Rachel, but sees that it's the older sister, Leah. He gets up, jumps out of bed, runs over to, to Laban, says, you tricked me, you cheated me. That's not Rachel, that's, that's Leah. And then Laban says what? He says, well, you know, the custom is you got to mar- the, the older daughter has to get married first. So if you want to work seven more years, you can marry my, my next daughter, Rachel. And what does he do? He serves again for another seven years because he loved Rachel. And same goes with us. You know, when we wait on God, when we expect with hope, we anticipate in faith, and then we serve with our time. You know, we love God, so we serve him with our time. When, uh, when Deb and I, uh, when, when we were still dating, it's not, not as, as long as, as the seven years or 14 years, you know, but mostly I've shared that story before, but I was living in Dallas. I was serving at a church there, and she was, with her, her dad was pastoring in L.A., and, and uh, I remember one of the times that I visited, she was at work, but I went straight to her, her home and to meet up with her dad, and that's when I asked her dad if I could marry her. And so it, it was like a, felt like I, I was reading out of the Bible. He says, well, you got to move over here if you want to marry her. You got to move to L.A., because my plan was to move back to Dallas and bring her back with me and you know, and serve there, but he says, no, you're going to move over here, and you're going to serve at this church, and, you know, so the family gets to know you more, uh, the church gets to know you, and all that, and of course, I, I flew back thinking, man, what's, you know, I don't know what to do, but obviously I did, so two months later, I moved to Los Angeles, and, uh, you know, served at the church there, and, you know, married my baby mama, so, well, baby mama after, but you know, after the marriage, so, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> so, but, but we know, you know, we serve because why? Because we love God, so we serve with our time. Another, another good, awesome story was, uh, was Paul and Silas in Acts, where Paul and Silas were missionaries to, uh, to Macedonia, to the Church of Philippi, right? The, the, that was one of the largest cities in, in Macedonia at that time. And so they were, they were visited that city, to, you know, they had a mission, God had sent them over there, and there was this, there was this demon-possessed girl who was a fortune teller, who was a fortune teller that was following them every day, 
and was, was yelling behind them while they were walking and was, was yelling, these two are sent by God and they're here to, to send and proclaim a message. And just kept repeating that and was yelling and yelling. And, and so finally after a few days, Paul was fed up with it and, and turns around and casts the demon out. It says in Jesus' name, leave. And so what happens was these men who owned this demon-possessed girl, this fortune teller, weren't, was not making any money anymore because the demon was cast out. And so what they did was they, they chased after Paul and Silas, brought them into the, to the central uh, place in the market, and they beat them down, ripped their clothes off, accused many things to him, and finally the city police grabbed him, put him in jail. And if you know, you know the, with the jail back then, it's dark. It's obviously dark, and uh, they don't have, they don't provide the, the, the flames and, and the fire and the torches for, for the lights down there. It's pitch black. They, they allow them, allow the prisoners, the jail guards allow the prisoners to soil themselves and so they're in there. They're, they're soiling on themselves. It stinks down there. And they're, of course, they're in pain from getting beat up. And they were put in the stocks. If you don't know what stocks are, they're, they basically, they're sitting down on, on the floor, legs stretched out. Uh, the, the ankles are locked into these, uh, to this wood where it's locked down on their ankles. So not only are they in a cell, which they can't get out anyways, but they're chained down. And this all happens while they're serving, while they're serving God. And what, what does Paul and Silas do? If you read that, they just lift their hands in praise and just sing. Even through all of that. And then what happens is, if you know the story, the earthquake happens, the chains and, and the shackles fall apart, fall off of them, the gates open. And so the prison guard, prison guard gets scared, is running, and you can't see, is, is, is feeling for, feel, notices the gates are open, pulls his sword out, is about to kill himself because he knows he's going to get in trouble. He knows he may get killed even. Paul and Silas find out and they say, no, don't kill yourself, we're still here. We're still here. And the prison guard ends up cleaning their, their wounds and serving them and helping them. So sometimes... While we're in, in the waiting, God even brings people to us to serve us, to help us. But it doesn't just stop there. The prison guard asks, what must I do to be saved? Paul says, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Sometimes when we're in the waiting, God uses us even most of the time to share his word, to encourage others, to serve others. And then the cool thing about that was that God saved his family as well. So they go to his house, to the jail, jail guard's house, and his whole household gets saved. As humans, you know, our nature is to be selfish. So when we're thinking of, of, of waiting, when we're in the waiting, we always think about ourselves when really we should be serving and thinking about others. 
Because what if God is preparing you for his promises, but at the same time, he's saying, hey, while you're here, I need you to serve this family. And we're not listening to that. You know, why, why do, we, do we need to wait on God? And we, we brought that verse up, Isaiah 40.31, if I could go back to that again. But Isaiah 40.31, why do we need to wait on God? It says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Those of us who wait will find fresh strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24 that we read earlier, two verses after that, uh, verse 25, says, The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. Verse 26, So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. You know, we like things microwaved. We don't like things baked, right? It's always fast. I mean, I get the, you know, and, and not in a literal sense because we do like home-cooked meals and, you know, the baking and all that stuff, but, but we're always in a rush that we like things microwaved and not baked. If we could have something quicker than a microwave, we would. Well, yet we do actually like fast food. If you go to the drive-thru, then it's, that's faster than microwave. But, you know, we like things fast. We like things rushed. And so, you know, we, we, we don't like to wait. And, and that's just in our nature because of our selfish nature, our consumer-driven nature. You know, but when, we, when our hearts are eager to hear from God, he loves to rush in suddenly you know, with, with the solution that he's got when we wait on him. And I'll close with this. You know, in, in, in many cases, uh, the waiting period when we're in that waiting period, it actually serves as, as, like I mentioned earlier, as a time of preparation for the answer. When we're in the waiting, God prepares us for his solution. He prepares us for his answer because a lot of times we wouldn't know how to handle it Isaiah chapter 40, 31, and I'll I'll read this again. Those who wait and those who trust in the Lord will find new strength, will find fresh strength. You know, a picture that comes to mind when, when we wait is when you go to the restaurant, the person that waits on you, what do they do? They serve you. Right? When they wait on us, they don't just sit down somewhere and wait for our orders, throw it out to them or yell it out to them or, you know, they have to serve us. They come to us and and try to, to be the best they can to serve our needs. When you're waiting on God, when you're waiting for his promises, believe that, expect and hope for his answer 
anticipate in faith for what he's going to provide, for what he, the solution that he'll give. And then you serve with your time. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. If you're a Jesus follower, my challenge uh, to you is are those mainly those three things as well is that be an example to where you are the one that leads the way in expecting and hope that you anticipate because you know good things come from God so why worry and don't forget to serve him with your time if if you're not a Jesus follower you're saying okay I kind of get that but you know, I'm still confused on, I, I need joy. I want to have joy. Well, if you're not a Jesus follower, you want to wait in God's presence because only in his presence is where you'll find the fullness of joy. And so if you're not a Jesus follower, the first thing I'm going to ask you and challenge you is to receive Jesus into your life. And that'll be the most That'll be the most important decision you'll ever make is to receive him into your life. And you're saying right now, you say, you're, I, I want to be that. I, wanna, I want to receive him in my life. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to follow this prayer after me. We say this a lot. It's not a magic prayer. But it's a declaration of you placing your trust and your faith in Jesus. Follow after me if you say, that's me. I, 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 want, I want Jesus in my life. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I don't deserve your love. But God, because you're merciful, because you're loving, because you're gracious, you have given me this free gift of salvation. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. And from this day forth, I live for you. Thanks for preparing heaven for me. In Jesus' name, amen.